0: It's January the 1st, if you go to the gym today, you'll have to wait on an elliptical machine, but take heart, by January the 15th, you'll have your choice, You any one you want. All the resolutions will be broken. I want to read these verses together. This is, uh, the Apostle Paul is in a place called Lystra, and he has, he has caused such a commotion with the gospel. He has caused such an, um, an outrage among other people, among the Jews, that they actually come from other places to meet him there to, uh, to take his life. Let's read these verses here in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse number 19. says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stopped Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, it sounds like, a you know, this was, Paul had been preaching here in Lystra. He had caused quite a commotion. It was an exciting, even though the Apostle Paul here has been taken out of the city and he's been stoned and he's been, they, they, they've come against him to to take his life, if you read these scriptures here, this was an exciting moment in the church. Now maybe not for Paul personally, but it was an exciting moment and the church is beginning to explode. The church is beginning to go into places where it was intended when Jesus ascended and he told them to go into the regions around them. The church is now doing that and the church is on the verge of of going into the whole world at this point. Now, I believe that it is an exciting time to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ now today. I believe that it is a very exciting time to be a part of of this church. This is a church where people love one another and take care of one another. A church that has known a lot of past blessings and a lot of great things in ministry have happened here And most importantly, it's a church in an area where a whole lot of people need Jesus Christ. It's a church in an area where we have been, I believe the Lord has us strategically placed in a time and a place where the people in this community need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, We determined a few years ago when we were doing Shared Jesus on Sunday evenings and we were going into homes, we made an effort to go into every home in the city of Piedmont in the 36272 zip code. And through that, some of our people determined that 70% of people in Piedmont don't attend church on a Sunday morning. Nationally, what what I read is that 80% of people in the United States don't attend church on Sunday morning anymore. What that tells me is, is that it is an exciting time to know Jesus Christ, and to, because the fields are ripe for the harvest. And we have a lot of people to reach in our community and in our surroundings, everywhere that we are. And it is a time to look ahead with confidence, because we go in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should expect the best, and we should plan for a future of reaching people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to share... It's a few things this morning on on this year to build and some things that I think are important for us to build on. First of all, let's build through evangelism. If you look back at verses 19 through 21, you see that Paul and the the other disciples, the, the apostles, they are preaching the gospel in every city that they have an opportunity to and they are making disciples everywhere that they go. Paul has been stoned and they believe that he's dead. The disciples gather around his body, probably very dejected, thinking that they are about to bury one of their key leaders in the movement of this this church. But he rises and surprises them. And they they are thrilled with the fact that Paul is still with them. He rises up. Now, I believe that it's time for the world to know that we are alive as a church, to know that we are alive. I read these statistics this past week. I, I knew them, but I went, went up back and looked at them again. In America today, in this year, 2017, an estimated two, 4,000 churches will close. Now, 1,000 churches will open, but 4,000 churches will close. In Europe right now, the, one of the hottest real estate commodities in Europe is old church buildings, uh, the buildings that once housed great churches in all throughout Europe, are now on sale because they have been abandoned. Nobody goes to church in them anymore, and so now they are for sale as businesses and and different things. And all through, I read an article just this week where in Northern Wales, out of the 62 churches that one um, diocese was in charge of. 32 of those churches are closing in the year, or did close in the year 2016. Um, In America, this year, 2.7 million church members will fall into an inactive status. We need to let the world know that Jesus Christ is alive. And that He does make a difference. And that He is relevant in this world. And that He still is the answer just as He was back early in the 20th century when men like Billy Graham would host uh, huge crusades with tens of thousands of people and thousands of people in those crusades would come forward and, and give their life to Jesus Christ. That same Jesus Christ is alive and well today and is living with us and we should be proclaiming, just as Paul and the disciples were here, we should be proclaiming that Jesus Christ is alive and well. And he's still the answer. Paul has been stoned and left for dead, but he gets up and immediately heads to Derby to reach souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. This was his purpose in life. In 1 Corinthians 9.16, he says this, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is a very strong word in the gospels. When somebody says woe to me, it means that I'll be afflicted if I don't go and preach the gospel. Now, I am happy to know that I preach the gospel. That that's what I preach. I preach Jesus and Him crucified and I, I, I don't know anything else to preach except, except that. And, and that's what th- these men are doing here. They are going and saying we don't know anything else. We're not eloquent men. We don't know eloquent words. But we know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we know the power of the resurrection. And that's what we're going to preach and teach. And I hope that all of us here in this congregation would be sensitive to preaching and teaching the Gospel as it's written. This is what made Paul a missionary. This is why he founded so many churches as for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Evangelism is vital to our existence as a church. It's vital to our existence as a church. We have to be telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to make it a purpose in your heart this year to invite people to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to make it a purpose in your heart to encourage uh, neighbors or family members or people that you work with to come and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel has the power to change people's lives. The gospel has the power to reach a soul and to reach a heart and to change that life for eternity. Let's bring people to hear the gospel and let's be living messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's live in such a way that other people see the gospel lived out in us every day And let's always preach the gospel. As Jesus said, gave this command to His disciples in Mark 16, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So let's build through evangelism. Let's tell other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then let's build through exhortation. Now what does exhortation mean? Exhortation simply means to encourage to encourage other people. You see see there in verses 21 and 22, Paul went strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Encourage one another. See, when Paul led someone to Christ, then he began to teach them and encourage them. How are you doing in your life through discipleship Paul was not only a great soul winner but he was also a great discipler let me give you three benefits of being a part of discipleship discipleship first of all builds humility how many of you think you know it know it all you don't have to raise your hand but you think you know it all and you got it all together and nobody can tell you anything any of you that way some of you wives are nudging your husbands and or, or maybe vice versa listen when i became a christian I, I i i was under this illusion that i knew i knew everything i but what i did i knew a lot of bible stories i'd been in sunday school all my life my dad was my probably my first sunday school teacher or one of them and i knew a lot of bible stories and i knew a, a good bit about the Bible, I'd been under some really good preaching, but what I really began to, I had to learn the hard way was that I didn't know everything, I really didn't know a whole lot, and I was humbled by the fact of, what, of all the things that I really didn't know, but a lot of times I hear, you know, you, you talk to people about Sunday school or a D-Life group or a small group or something, and, and they'll say, well, I do my own, I, you know, I do my own thing. I read on my own, I have my own devotion, I have those things. But discipleship helps us. Sometimes we think what we know what is best for ourselves. We know ourselves better than anyone else does. But here's what the Scriptures say. The heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. And so sometimes to trust yourself at all times is probably not the best route to take. Wise counsel from a friend, a pastor, or spouse could be just the thing God uses for our protection. I'm grateful for those people who discipled me when I was a young Christian. I'm even more grateful for ministers who have discipled me since I've been in the ministry. It was a great pleasure to be able to go over on Daly Street and to sit in Ed Coogler's living room with him and learn straight from Ed Coogler about the Bible. And for Ed Coogler to look at me and say, Michael, I'm 82 years old, and the devil every day tries to tell me that I'm useless, and that I'm, I'm a fraud, and that I don't know what I'm doing, and he said, I just always, Michael, I just always take him back to Calvary. And I always tell him about Calvary, and he leaves me alone. I'm grateful that my first pastor here, Brother Derek Smith, set me down one day, and he said, you know, your first reaction is always to overreact. And you need to learn to sit down and look at the situation and calmly look at things and then make decisions. I'm grateful for my other pastor, Brother Philip Cooper, who I used to sit in his office with for an hour at a time and we would just take theology and doctrine and we would just pour over it and just just learn from me. I learned a lot more from him than he did from me, I'm sure. But I'm grateful for those people And we all need those people or those groups of people in our lives to help us to learn and to grow. Discipleship, that is what Paul did through discipleship. And then secondly, discipleship unites us with fellow believers. God's Word paints a picture of believers doing life together. Flip back to Acts chapter 2 real quickly. If you still have your Bibles open. And look at verses... In Acts chapter 2 verses 44 through 47. This is a beautiful picture of a church in community together. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were saved. Look at that beautiful picture of people who knew they needed each other. They knew they needed fellow believers. They knew that when it was time to come to church, that church was not a multiple choice thing, that it was time to get to church and it was time to be with other people and strengthen their own lives through the strength of their community. Discipleship provides an opportunity for us to get together and to pray and mutually encourage each other. We need each other. We have to have each other in our lives together to, to be true disciples. And then thirdly, discipleship equips us for faithfulness. Listen, the Christian journey is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Paul says that the Scriptures say here in Acts that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. How many of you have been through a tribulation or a trial? Listen, when you got saved, you just weren't automatically transported to heaven and God didn't wrap you in in some bubble wrap and say I'm going to insulate you from every bad thing that might happen to you after that. You're going to go through tribulations and trials in this life as a Christian. You're going to to go through those things. Why don't we go through them together? Why don't we be discipled and come together and be equipped for faithfulness? The Christian journey is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We need the wisdom of others to be able to say this. As Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We need each other. Discipleship equips us for faithfulness. Paul encouraged all believers to greater faith. He encouraged those who were discouraged. Have you seen anyone that's discouraged? Do you know anyone that's discouraged? There's no better way for you to live out the gospel than to go to that person and encourage them in a Christian way. To let them know that God loves them, has a plan for the situation, And encourage them. Encourage those who feel like giving up. You ever felt like giving up? Have you ever been to that point where you felt like just giving up and quitting? Many people around you are in that situation. Some of you have been in the same exact situation that those people are in, and they're looking for somebody with wisdom who got through it to help them through it. Not long ago, um, Coach Blanchard called me one day. And gave me a name of a lady and her her children, who were in need. Um, He had saw I believe he saw them at the raceway down down the street. And he said he gave me their name and he asked me he said is there any way that you can get some help to them through the church? And I said I'll do my very best to try. And he told me about their situation. And these are the words that James said to me. And I hope he won't get upset for me for for using them as an example. But James said to me, he said, this is a young mother with a child and she looked desperate. And James said, Michael, he said, I saw that same desperate look in my mother's eyes many times when I was a child and I couldn't go by and not try to help her. Every one of us has been through something, has been in a place where we felt like giving up. How many of us have the opportunity to go to those people and say, I've been where you are, and I want to be a help to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look for those opportunities. Encourage those people who feel like giving up. Encourage our own families. My sons will tell you that it's a difficult place being in my home. You have to have very thick skin to live in my home. But I have tried in the last couple of years to do better at encouraging them and telling them when they do something right, and, and telling them I'm proud of them. And, you know, even though my two boys, in the history of Piedmont High School, my two sons are the only two people who ever took driver's ed who made a C. I actually went, I actually went. I asked Mr. Prater the other day, I said, are my children the only children who ever made a C in driver's ed? He said, yeah, they can both drive real good. He said, but they don't care anything about their homework. Let me encourage you, Bryson. You do drive, okay, all right? (laughs) Encourage, Encourage your family when you have the opportunity to. And encourage those in leadership. If you have a Sunday school teacher, let me tell you what that Sunday school teacher goes through that you don't know. That Sunday school teacher has a life through the week. And they have a family through the week. And they have difficulties and trials and things that come their way. And they have situations that arise and they're trying to work in studying and preparing. And a lot of times they will study their heart out and they'll show up on Sunday and there'll be about half the people who are supposed to be there show up and they're discouraged. And some Sundays they'll have a room full and the next Sunday they won't have... Go to your Sunday school teacher and be an encouragement to your Sunday school teacher. Go to that person who leads you in Bible study every week and be an encouragement to the, my heroes are Sunday school teachers. I love the, the people who devote and dedicate themselves to teaching God's Word, <coughs> excuse me, on a weekly basis. And I want you to encourage that person. That person, really, who teaches your Sunday school class is your first person that you go to when you have a crisis. Your Sunday school teacher should be that person. That should be the first person you call when you need prayer or you need counsel or something. Encourage those people encourage everyone in the family of faith, be, in, be encouraged through what you read in Scripture, and take that and turn to be an encourager as a result. And then finally, build through edification. Look at verse number 23. When they had appointed leaders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. To edify means to build up. To build people up. To encourage people. To give people things that they need to help them along the way. Building people up. Sometimes it's a, it's, it's a difficult thing to, to, to it become a part of your life to be a, a person of edification. Now, let me give you an example. Uh, being an Alabama fan. We're not edifiers. Alright? We won the game yesterday. 24 to 7, I'm sitting there in the Georgia Dome, and we're we're winning, and I I keep texting my dad saying, what in the world, why is Kiffin still here? And and all around me are people yelling, run the ball! (laughs) Many of you were probably yelling at a TV, run the ball! We're not edifiers. Even when we're winning, we're not satisfied. All right? All right? Now, maybe in our own everyday life, we're that way as Christians sometimes. Even when things are going well, even when things are going good in the church, we can find something to tear down. And we can find something to throw a rock at. Or we can find something that we just are completely against and instead of building up all the good things that are going on, we, we tear down. We're not edifiers. Paul here was an edifier. Some people specialize in tearing things down. Now, I've been on a lot, after Katrina happened, our youth group spent a lot of summers in New Orleans afterwards re, helping rebuild the city. And here's what I learned. When we would go into a house that was set to be uh, remodeled, if you put a sledgehammer in my hand and showed me a wall and said, Michael, tear that wall down. Oh, man, I was good at that. I could take that sledgehammer, and that wall's gone in just a little while. You give me a crowbar and a sledgehammer, and I can take a wall out. But you come back, and you put a hammer and a saw in my hand. Be quiet, Dennis. You put a hammer and a saw in my hand, and I'm... And I'm, I'm just useless. I had to have um, people there with me who knew how to do those things. And then they'd let me paint the wall when it got built back. But how many of us are, are like that? We are real good at tearing things down and we refuse to be a part of the building process. Because it's easy to knock walls down But it takes skill to build up. It takes a prayerful life. It takes a biblical life. It takes a life that's rooted in in Bible study to be a builder. So refuse to be a part of of the wrecking crew. Paul was building up believers. He was organizing churches. He was giving responsibilities to leaders. But most importantly, he was praying with and for those he won to Christ. So we have an immense responsibility as a church to build because we've led a lot of people to the Lord Jesus Christ in the last couple of years. And we have the responsibility now to take those people and disciple them and to grow them in their faith and then to see them go and in turn lead other people to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, simply, these three things that I believe we can do to reach our community and to reach places through missions with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is to build through evangelism, exhortation, and edification. And this morning, I would encourage you, if you're here and you can't say for certain that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you can't say for certain that this afternoon, if you were to meet God in eternity, that you would spend eternity with Him in heaven. I would encourage you today, at the beginning of this new year, to become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I would encourage you this morning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit who's speaking to your heart, and come this morning and give your life to Christ. Maybe you are already saved. You know Christ is your Savior. And you've never followed through with believer's baptism or church membership. Today would be a wonderful day, the first day of the year, to, to establish those things with the Lord Jesus Christ today. And be obedient to Him in uniting in fellowship with a body of believers. While Mike is coming... Let's use this time wisely. Let's use this as a time of praying, as a time of worship, as a time of reflecting back on what we've talked about this morning. More importantly, let's use it as a time to pray about this coming up year and how we go and reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand this morning? Father, thank You for the opportunity this morning to gather together as believers. Thank You, Father, for the opportunity To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father I pray this morning. And I just ask. That you speak to hearts. You open hearts this morning. To be receptive to the gospel. We've done our part Lord. In sharing the gospel. I ask you to take over now. It's in your name we pray.